Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of the law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD, located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Today I'll be speaking with Christina Pavlina, who is a co-founder of Jane Does Well, an organization for women going through a divorce in Massachusetts. Welcome, Christina. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about Jane Does Well. It's a lovely community that's very supportive of each other. We provide regular events, which are both social and informational, and they're on topics related to divorce, and they're on topics beyond divorce. The next chapter of your life, we spend a lot of time in the empowerment space. Great. So there are kind of two phases that you help yeah. women through. First, the, the agony of going through the divorce itself and then helping them transition to their new life. As I say, giving clients another chance at happiness. So you help with their happiness, I hope. Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's actually a beautiful thing because these women, they, you know, it's such a difficult transformational process. And once you've been through it and you're on the other side, you've learned so much, you've grown so much. And what women are so good at is we're so good at paying it forward. Mm -hmm. You know, we support each other. So it's really a collaborative effort. We do have a team. We have a, a, a board, a very vibrant board. There's uh, 10 board members. and But it is really, really the women who are active members who are the sort of the, the power that's behind the whole community. We're a community of over 400 women, and it's growing very rapidly, but we just have this energy that's very forward-thinking and very positive and, and very compassionate. It's fabulous. You know, I've been thinking a lot about communities and you've obviously created a really lovely community of people who are going through similar circumstances together. Um, and it started in the Boston area, right? Jane does well? Yes. Well, it started in Wellesley and it was just because myself and the co-founder happened to be here and we happened to realize we needed a lifeline. We needed each other. And once we got through that process, anytime we heard another woman was going through it, we just felt, okay, you, you want to talk to us. We needed it. You need it. Let's get together. And it was really just potluck dinners. It was a very small dinner club. That's how it started, huh? Yes. Yeah. And then in 2016, we had enough people reaching out to us asking about our website that we realized we needed a name and a website. So that started in 2016. Wellesley Weston magazine wrote an article about us and we just grew from there. 2018, we became a nonprofit. So, so really in a very short period of time, your concept took off. Yes, yes. And it's, it's been organic. And we have not still have not really done any marketing or outreach. It's just I think we tapped into something that women were really looking for. And I think it's, you know, I'm hoping it will just expand throughout Massachusetts. We're pretty much all over now. We're, we're not in the Worcester area yet. Um, we have some folks in North Shore, South Shore, Metro West, Boston area, obviously. But we're hoping it'll be, you know, throughout the state. 
everywhere. Wonderful. Well, it seems like they're divorcing people everywhere. (laughs) There should be some momentum for this to expand throughout the country, right? Yes, exactly. What what kind of organized activities does JN Does Well promote or organize? Well, every Monday we have something called Jane Cares, which is women who are through the process, like myself, and women who are starting the process. We offer at one o'clock an hour of tell us your issue and we'll give you advice and we'll give you tips, advice. If we don't know, we'll say, maybe you want to talk to ask the experts on Thursdays at four o'clock where we have, usually it's an attorney or a mediator, sometimes a certified financial divorce analyst will come on. Occasionally we'll have a therapist come on, but we, every Thursday we provide an hour's worth of just a Q&A and it's not meant to be advice you take to the courthouse. It's just tips, advice, thoughts. Sometimes it is very, it feels good to hear that you're going to be okay from a professional that's in the field because, you, you know, women tend to go to fear very quickly. And just to say, you know, you have, there's a right, it's, it's the law, don't worry about it, um, you're going to be okay, and this is what the law says, and this is the way it usually goes in court, and this is, then it kind of uh, quiets the, the anxiety a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. probably having been through it, um, many of remembers having been through it can help the person predict the future a little bit and know what to expect. Probably exactly. right. And how does a person become a member of the organization Jane Does Well? Well, you go online, uh, janedoeswell.org, and our website provides um, a lot of resources. So you can become a member. It is formally $10 a month. It'll still say $10 a month. As of 2021, we are taking away that $10 a month membership fee, and it's going to be a voluntary donation. Wow, it's remarkable. Really accessible then. Very accessible. We don't want anyone to feel that it's something that they can't afford. We are here for them. So we're very happy to do that. And you have a speaker series, I think. We do. Now, our speaker series, it started off as a symposium that was uh, supposed to have happened May 16th at the Western Hotel in Boston. Of course, it, of course did not. it did not. <laughs> and yeah. we pushed it over to 2021 in October. So we're hoping we're all vaccinated and ready to party then. But uh, we have these nine thought leaders in the women empowerment space that uh, we lined up to be our speakers. And so we transitioned to a speaker series with these nine women. And every month, one of them talk. It's it's a beautiful thing because uh, with COVID, we have so many people that are now accessible to us. So they can come on. The speaker will tell us about themselves. And then we actually have a little Q&A at yeah. the end. So it 
feels very authentic and very it's a COVID it's a COVID silver lining. Yes. Accessibility, isn't it? Exactly. Every, everyone can attend. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, so. that's great. Well, there's so much um, information in the world of divorce and so many people who are in it who become experts and resources. And so it's great you're making mm-hmm. uh, making them available to people who need them. But I was also so impressed with the report that you submitted to the task force in Massachusetts that's reviewing the child support guidelines, uh, which is done every four years. And I actually read all 48 pages of it. And so I, I just want to mention and have a conversation with you about the seven important topics that were covered in that lengthy and very professionally done report, um, which others may want to want to look at. So um, well, let me just, I guess, go through them quickly. Uh, the first one is to remove the 15% cap for health and health insurance and childcare, which is one of the numbers that goes into the child support worksheet. The second one was to remove the 25% reduction at age 18, because at the moment, child support is reduced by 25% for a child that reaches age 18. Uh, Third is to increase the child support for multiple children. And I saw the statistics that you gathered from other states, how the second child increases the child support by a much greater percentage Mm -hmm. than in Massachusetts. That was really meaningful to me. Uh, The fourth item is increased child support percentage just because it's overall not enough money in Massachusetts because of the housing cost here and other cost of living. Um, Fives, increase the cap, which is currently $250,000 of combined income for both spouses um, before you reach the alimony calculation. And I know there's some debate about whether to do alimony first or child support first, and that was interesting. Uh, Six is that whether to do alimony than child support. So that's actually the next point. And then finally, how to share expenses for the children pro rata based on the income of both parents. And uh, that would be include extracurricular activities and, you know, uninsured expenses and transportation and cars, if the kid has a car or car insurance or cell phones or new laptops or all the things that children need that you can't even enumerate specifically. So it covered an incredible number of really meaningful topics. Which one is uh, most meaningful to you, if any? Well, if I could give a little bit of background yeah. as to why we did this, why we got involved in something like this. We had quite a few members telling us, you know, that child support was just, uh, it was very difficult to live off of the child support. And we wanted to know why. And we, instead of getting upset about something, we feel that it's always better to kind of investigate, right? If you feel like you're doing something about it and learning about it, it it feels so much better. It feels like you're doing something. So let's figure that out. So we also learned that many women were being denied alimony because they, their and their husband's combined income didn't meet the 200, over the 250,000 mark. And so as a result, some of our members were told that they could only get child support. That is just the way it is. That's just the way the law is. And you can only get child support. You can't. And, and some attorneys actually were saying things like, well, it's double dipping, which means that the whole amount of income had to be exempted for 
looking at alimony. In other words, use, use for one purpose and not for two calculations. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we felt that was very discriminatory, especially when we actually compared child support to alimony. So if the same woman had no children, she would have received more money under the alimony worksheet than she would under child support. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we thought that that can't that cannot be right. Why why is that happening? Does it make sense? It does not make sense. And also we felt like she was discriminated upon because, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't, you know, that's what their incomes were. So we decided that we were going to take a look at this. And there is an economic review. If you look at the Childsburg guidelines, they are based on an economic review, and they talk about the economic review. And so when we decided to take a look at this, we realized that there were many problems in the economic review. We felt like it it didn't make sense. There were a lot of holes we didn't understand. So we really did a deep dive. One of our board members has a background in economics. She's an MBA. She took it upon herself to do the calculations. We then uh, made sure that her calculations were right. And we consulted with a professor of economics at UMass Amherst. Her name is Nancy Folb. We and we conf- it was confirmed that this is this is correct this is the way it is this is the way it's been presented by the consultants who are hired who are retained by the state of massachusetts the trial court and you know really it, this is about the children right this is about how much money can we give to the children so that they can as best as possible have the means to be live comfortable live in the same way they were living when they were two parents. Yes. Right. So we did some background and looked at, you know, how child support was before these consultants, which have been involved since 2012. And we realized that since the consultants that had been hired were involved in the economic reviews of 2013 and 2017, and now they're hired, they're retained again for this year. They actually, everything has changed. Child support has decreased. The cap was introduced. The reduction of 25% was introduced. And so, and the the more we looked into the history of the economic consultants, we realized that actually was, that is their platform. That is their, they have indicated that is their sort of methodology. They believe that child support should be more of a minimum cost exercise, which is actually contrary to what the stated statute of Massachusetts, which is the income shares model. And, and the principle of supporting the children. <laughs> yes. So, it, yeah, so we felt strongly that we needed to write a report that was very thorough and really explained what is happening to child support in Massachusetts and how it kind of got off track and make some suggestions as to how we can 
bring it back to the way that the policy was meant originally when it in you know the years when it was developing the um, all the guidelines, which is I think nineteen eighty five to seven. Sure. No, it's it's a huge undertaking um, to gather the statistics, do all the comparisons that you did, but also, you know, the economic theory and underlying data mm-hmm. that you needed um, is really interesting. And it's true. I mean, it's, while I was reading it, I thought, you know, now what I should do is this and this before, you know, settling on a number. The work child support worksheets, as you know, are intended to simplify the child support calculation. But, you know, we can make deviations <laughs> or at least ask for deviations from a judge. They don't often give them because they're pretty well wedded to that that worksheet. But there's more comparison now to make. You know, and say, well, if it's child support, it's this. But if it were alimony, it would be that. So why punish the person who's has custody of the children and give them less? Right. That's what it proved. Well, I think it it proves that look, we're Massachusetts. We think of ourselves as being academic excellent excellence in everything that we do. But when we look at the child support guidelines and the economic review, it's not best practices. You only need to look at the neighboring states to find out in comparison what the best practices are. And so I think it behooves us to kind of look at how is Massachusetts doing for the children compared to you know, the rest of the nation. And are we really, Mm -hmm. do we have the best practices in place? And I feel like there are many different of the points that you just brought up that have actually shifted the income. I have a lot of attorneys explain that it's true that things are really tough for the custodial parent and for the non-custodial parent. But there's only so much to go around. Yep. For two households. That's true. But it's not that it's not true since 2013. So what has happened since then is just the burden has shifted from the non-custodial, the same amount is still there, right? It's the, it goes from the non-custodial parent to the, the burden, rather, to the custodial parent, because the custodial parent, for example, with childcare, has to pay most of the childcare, and then she also has to work, and then she's also doing the parenting. Yes, right. There's a lot of responsibility. It's <laughs> a lot, a lot of, and a lot of expense. Children, yeah, children are expensive. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, it it will be looked at with new eyes by the trial court. I think it's time. I think that the truth is that we we have heard that they are they do know that we we submitted this review. And uh I think they are very pleased to see a mother's advocate <laughs> involved in the putting comments forth because uh, up until now there's been yeah there really isn't many public comments uh, honestly every four years and when there are it's usually fathers' rights are a little more vocal 
So, which is fine. I'm, I'm a hundred percent want this to be a conversation and a collaboration of ideas, but we should. Both sides should be heard. All sides. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the children don't have as much of a voice as the, as the parents. And, you know, it's so awful when you get into that custodial battle and you're counting nights at one parent's house or the other. And, you know, our people's lives don't fit nicely onto those financial statements or the child support guidelines. And it's always squeezing kind of a round peg in a square hole or square peg in a round hole, I think is a better image. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it it is very difficult. And one of the points that we made in the, um, the brief that we submitted is that many states have tables rather than a worksheet and they're much easier to look at, to, to understand, they're much easier to adjust. So I'm hoping that it, it's also very confusing. I think if you were going to ask for a deviation, it's very difficult to do that if you had limited means. Yeah, yeah. I use um, you know financial professionals a lot in this business to figure out what the tax consequences and try to see how, how much income each household will have. And every time the tax law changes, like when alimony became non-deductible, it changed the conversation. And now alimony and child support are handled the same tax-wise. It used to be obviously very different until January of 2019. So um, there are a lot of professionals in this world that we're in um, that could be helpful. You know, certified divorce, financial yes. planners, CPAs, exactly. anyone who can uh, see it from a numbers perspective. And, you know, sometimes that's what you need to settle a case, just someone looking at it from a financial perspective. Well, exactly. One of the the go-to advice tips that we give our women is if you're going through the divorce process, yeah. it's so important to get a good attorney, but it's really important to talk to a financial expert, whether it is a CPA or a financial planner, or certified divorce financial analyst, anyone who has expertise in divorce, because um, there's a lot of financial decisions you have yeah. to make. Yeah. So it's, it's probably best to kind of get that in place, know what your assets are, what your what the, you know, really what the issues are. And think about how do you see yourself in the post divorce? What what are you looking for? How you've got to Put your mind there and figure that out. And then once you have kind of a feel for what you're going to be asking for financially, then you go through the divorce process and you're not kind of coming from defense. You're where you kind of got a plan. Yeah. And I think numbers do shed a lot of light on how to make decisions. I mean, even for people who are not familiar with the numbers or the spouse who's been handling the finances of the family. And that, that often happens, as you know. Usually, usually one knows a lot more than the other. It's a- well, the interesting thing, Hindell, is that women who are accomplished in finance will often, as a division of labor, right? So one takes care of the children's social calendar or the, the couple's social calendar, the household items, and the other takes, I'll, I'll take care of the finances. And so 
to no fault of either one, but that's just the way it was allocated. And then you're, you know, once you're getting divorced, if you don't have that information, you're at a you're at a disadvantage. disadvantage yes. Yeah, because you have to get that information from someone who doesn't really want to cooperate <laughs> very much, right? Yes. Yes. And plus, if you don't even know what the assets and the liabilities of the marriage are, the first thing you have to do is just have a you know, good idea what we're talking about and then value them and then divide those things, assets and liabilities. So, yeah, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a simple process if two people are cooperating, but when they're not, the fact that you're a mediator, you get you get to see people cooperate and you get to see things kind of roll along. And I, I admire that. I unfortunately see a lot of litigation that just doesn't need to be happening. Oh, for sure. No, most of my career, it's been in litigation. So I've done mediation a lot more recently and it's a lot more pleasant when people are both... Um, have headed in the right direction or the same direction at least. I've also been I, I recommend mediation and conciliation a lot. That's also very hard to explain to people. Do you find that it's confusing the process choice? You know, litigate, negotiate, conciliate, mediate, <laughs> all of these choices. It's very confusing. And you know, some of it's binding, some of it's not binding, some of them they'll they'll tell you, you know, sort of what the laws are, and some it's just a friendly conversation. And yeah, it ADR, you know, is, is what they alternative dispute resolution is it comes in all forms, but always a wonderful avenue to take. It is. Yeah, certainly a good choice. So um, Jane does well is doing very well. I'm very pleased to see that it, it's growing and it serves a, a marvelous purpose to provide support for women, women going through and, um, post-divorce to try to help them transition to their next yes. chapter. So one wonderful idea that you, you and your co-founder came up with. Yeah, nice to see it. How's the life and also taking such a strong position uh, on the new child support guidelines. I appreciate that you put so much energy into that. Thank you. Thank you. We're enjoying the work. So your the email, uh, sorry, your website is janedoeswell.org. Is that right? That's right. janedoeswell.org. And we have social events, we have informational events. We're a very uh, engaged group of women who are very eager to take someone aside and help them through their process. And also just even if you've been divorced for 10 years and you've never found your kind of friend group after that, and you're looking for some social activity. We have a lot of women who are just focused on the social aspect of whatever it is. Just uh, right now, unfortunately, we are, you know, over Zoom, but we hope to get back into each other's living rooms or hikes or whatever it is once. uh, Yeah. You know, it reminds me about four or five years ago, I had three women clients who all were suffering from their Mm -hmm. their husbands had affairs and they were all kind of similarly situated. And I asked each of them privately if they wanted to meet someone else. So it's it's really the same theme as yours in a way. Uh, And they said each said yes. So I I had the three of them come over my home and I sat back while I just poured wine and um, they immediately took to one another and became friends and they still see each other socially. And it makes me so happy. That is lovely. <laughs> a small community, but you're doing it in a much bigger way. So I can, I can appreciate the joy you get in 
putting people together. It is. It is. I love it. It it just feeds me. It's the most beautiful thing. And I, you know, I really, really admire women who have come through divorce. What I see is not the bitter Betty. I don't see that. I see women who come through it and with the help of other women, they have a personal growth uh, opportunity. And once you've been through such a, an upheaval, as divorce can be, you tend to see life differently. And it's, you become a little bit no-nonsense. You kind of, everything is, you, you kind of figure out what's really important and what's not important. And I see a lot of strength, a lot of strength from our women. And so I really admire them. They become, you know, my best friends. And so they, you know, marry again or start careers or whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, because they can make choices for themselves now. Exactly. Right. Wonderful. Christina, thank you so much for this uh, interview, this conversation that we're having on uh, Inside Divorce. And I hope you uh, show very success in the organization. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the task force decides with your comments. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Hindel. It's a pleasure. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.